Yo, good morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Big, big day today. Man, I'm excited for this Bills game. It, it, you know, we got a lot to cover on this podcast. I got a thousand little topics to talk about. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you all of them ahead of time so you can decide whether or not you're interested in listening to the rest of this podcast. But the Bills game I won't spend a lot of time on because it's a timely thing. Oh, wait a second. I have my co-host here. Come here, my co-host. What's your name, sir? I'm a firefighter. Oh, I could have swore you were Leo, but you're Leo the firefighter. Yeah. That's right. I love you so much. I love you so much too, Daddy. Oh, my baby. Oh, my God. You could never hear that enough. Anyway, all the topics for today's uh, podcast are, of course, very quickly talking about this Bills game and last night's Jaguars game because I stayed up, watched that whole game. And I know a lot of people are going to say, I watched the whole game too. A lot of people didn't watch the whole game. Don't let them BS you. I was on Twitter watching people say, I'm done with this game. Nope, I actually watched the whole game. Although, I sort of watched the whole game on accident because I mostly got bored with the game and then just started fiddling around on my phone. And then I looked up and suddenly a comeback was on the way. So, great game though. Third biggest comeback in playoff history. Um, anyway, uh, Bills, we're going to talk about the Bills for a second, really quick. I want to talk about Sweet Pea. I started a meal delivery service this week, and I love it. Uh, we'll talk about filming with the Rochester Red Wings mascot Spikes, uh, my new New York Kitchen class Parminet. Uh, I finally had my meeting and got to hear the feedback from the Grow New York judges, and they told us why we were great enough to win $500,000, but not good enough to win that ultimate prize of a million dollars. So I have that information for you. Um, I got some really crappy news this week about my car. My first time I had to bring in the Tahoe for a uh, repair that is going to cost a pretty penny. And um, what else? Uh, oh, an awkward, very awkward moment. Oh, oh, wow. Cool, dude. Very, very awkward moment with... Um, a job candidate. What else? Uh, somebody who posted blasphemy on Twitter about the fast food restaurants and where they should rank. And finally, I would like to quickly talk about the latest true crime craze, the Idaho Four. So let's get into it here, as they say. Uh, yeah, Bills today, I think we are in generally in general taking this thing for granted, and a lot of people are just assuming that this is the Bills game to lose. It is the Bills game to lose. They're a much better team, especially without the Dolphins having their quarterback. That said, it is still the NFL. Everyone's a pro. Anything can happen. We don't want to get too cocky here, and I've been just as guilty of anyone else of just counting this as a win before the game even plays. Because I have this cruise I'm going on, leaving for next weekend, I'm going to be on the ship on Sunday of Divisional Playoff Weekend, and I really, really am holding out for a Bills game to happen while I'm on that ship. I just think it would be so much fun. So, I really need them to win today. (laughs) I think everyone would have so much fun if that was the case. Uh, but again, like I said, it's a timely thing. And by the time you listen to this podcast, the game's probably already happened. So let's move on and get into other stuff. Uh, let's talk real quick about, uh, Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea is a meal delivery service here in Rochester. They do all vegan meals. They were a $250,000 winner at Grow New York. And, uh, being that it's after January 1st and I've been trying to cut back on my intake of crappy food, I signed up for Sweet Pea and this was my first week having their meals and they were absolutely delicious. Look, I am going to be candid with you. Anytime you are going to eat vegan, you, you always have that fear, especially when you're a you know meat and cheese eating big guy like me. 
you always have that fear that it's not going to have the flavor. Well, sweet pea has the flavor. I mean, Chef Ryan, like, incorporates so much flavor in fresh herbs and things like that. And so every single bite you take, you're getting just pounded with flavor. I will say, you know, that like one of the dishes I had this week was lasagna. And the lasagna is these wonderful noodles he makes. And then I think the the filling is ground up something. I don't know if it's nuts or mushroom, but it's just ground up something with a bunch of spices. And it's meant to, you know, mimic ground beef. It doesn't mimic ground beef in texture. That's always been the big issue, I think, is the texture. But in flavor, it certainly does. Now, texture is trying to get solved, or I guess you could say has been solved, by the impossible burgers and the and the beyond meats of the world, right? But the problem with those is that they're not clean. Because what Ryan and what so many good-natured vegans are doing is they're not just doing vegan, right? Because the old joke is vegan you can eat Oreos and drink Pepsi and be vegan. They're actually doing whole food plant-based diets, which is not just vegan, but actually healthy vegan. And so, hold on, let me take a cup of coffee, a sip of coffee, speaking of vegan. So anyway, um, they have to sneak a bunch of flavor in there. And the way they sneak the flavor in there is with all those fresh herbs and things and, and spices. And so really, really great job. I, I love it. Um, I don't think I'll do it forever. I mean, no meal delivery service I think is meant to be a forever plan, or I guess they would probably disagree with me. Not just Sweet Pea, but all meal delivery services I'm sure would disagree with me. But I don't think they're ever meant to be you know, forever things. I'm hoping to do this for a few months hopefully lose some weight and get into a habit of uh, of that. And, and and I have lost a little bit of weight, but of course it's been a week, so I'm not going to talk about that quite yet. It's, um, you know, re- when you're as overweight as I am, it's really easy to lose weight at first. I mean, seriously, if you basically just, like, stop drinking soda for a week when you're, you know, as, as sort of fat and out of shape as I was – uh, just not drinking soda for a week will knock a few pounds off. You know, it, it gets harder after a while. So I hate to take any credit at this point. It's kind of easy if you just don't make any crazy, stupid decisions. Um, while I'm doing things that sound like but definitely are not ads, let's talk about Spikes from the Rochester Red Wings. He's the mascot for the Red Wings, and uh, he and I filmed Country Max commercials this week for the spring because it is uh, wild bird feeding. They're big. Country Max is big for wild bird feeding, Um, bird care in general, well, pet care in general, but really they do a ton of work for birds, and uh, I think it's really cool. They decided this year to sponsor the Red Wings, and so the Red Wings threw in spikes for a commercial shoot. So we did a bunch of ads, and I get to do some acting for the first time ever. You know, we were pretending like Spikes is the celebrity shopping at Country Max, and I'm like the paparazzi, and so it was kind of fun to do some acting, although it turns out I suck as an actor. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. So those 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 commercials I don't think start airing for a little while. I want to say maybe even as early as February, but I'm pretty sure they're more geared towards March and April. And, and will serve also to help people start getting hyped for the Red Wings. Now, I want to talk about Spikes, though, because the Rochester Red Wings... Spikes, and I've known this for years. I learned this years and years and years ago doing radio remotes with Spikes. They are really strict with the rules for Spikes. The uh, person, what do they call it? Disney? Isn't there a name for the people who play the characters? Ugh, there's, I think there's a name that they call them when they're you know in when they're in the costume. There's a name that they call them. 
Wow, Leo, you have your uh, fire equipment with you now, so you could fight a fire if you needed to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I feel safe with you here. Thank you. I feel safe. Yes, I do. So anyway, the um, he he gets kind of dressed like ahead of time, and then he drives to the event. You know, obviously he doesn't have the Spike's head on when he's driving to the event, but he gets to the event and he puts the Spike's head on before he even gets out of his car. And as soon as he gets out of his car, he's in character. And I noticed a couple of things, and I've noticed this, again, like I said, I've noticed this in previous times of working with Spike's, of how just hardcore trained these Spike's characters are. <clears throat> He will not stop moving. I'm sorry, I should say he or she. He or she will not stop moving the entire time. You will never catch Spikes just standing around. Spikes will always be in action. Like, Spikes will always be kind of pretending to get hyped up or waving at people or kind of running. You know, just always physically moving, for one. For two, absolutely under zero circumstances will Spikes talk. The... Actor portraying Spikes, we'll say, the person inside the costume, absolutely not a peep. Not happening. And I just thought it was really cool. Then something kind of eerie happened, and that is as they set up this photo shoot, they've got lights, right? Or this video or commercial shoot, whatever. They've got lights, these big, bright lights that they shine on us, you know, in the ad. And I look at Spikes, and through his little eye holes, because of the lights, I'm staring right at the human being's face. And it was such a, a, like, it tripped me off. So it just, it tripped me up so much. <laughs> it was so distracting for me to be, like, staring at this. I don't know. Anyway, I think that's cool, the training that they, what, buddy? I see you've got all your fire equipment. Anyway, um, uh, I just, I think it's really cool, the dedication that they force those kids to have. In order to wear that costume, and and that they actually have, you know, because I don't think I could do that. Like I don't think that I could hold and stay in character as spikes. I would constantly because people are constantly talking to you as spikes, and I would I I don't know. It would be hard for me not to be like, thanks, man. <laughs> and finally, on the list of things that sound like ads but aren't is uh, my new New York Kitchen class started this month. We actually switch up every quarter. The menu, and so it was a new menu Thursday night. Parminet, which is sort of you get to choose what you want to parm, be it eggplant or chicken. I pitched veal too, but some people don't like veal, so we're just doing chicken and eggplant. And I love that class, and you get the opportunity to take a classic American Italian dish. That's right, that's one of the things we learn in that class. Chicken parm is not actually an Italian Italian dish; it's an American Italian dish. And and we essentially go through, we still teach you how to make pasta from scratch. I'm still going to show you how to make Guglielmo marinara sauce uh, from scratch. But the third thing is we're going to do a, uh, a parm lesson. And the big lesson with parm, you know, I'll give away half of it right here is, what do you get when you order chicken parm at a restaurant, right? You get a breaded chicken cutlet with some sauce on it and mozzarella cheese. Where's the parm? So the whole class is a, a really, the, the big reveal is sort of the parm is supposed to be the breading. When I do chicken parm at home, my breading is about 80% grated Parmesan cheese and maybe 20% or so of the uh, breadcrumbs. And then I'm going to do my standard breading station, right? I'll take my wet chicken cutlet, go into the flour, flour into egg, egg into my parm slash breadcrumbs, and then that into the hot oil. And I want really, really flat chicken, really pounded out, thin, thin chicken. 
And I just want to fry that really fast in that hot oil, and it'll be nice and crispy, and I want to serve it right away. Um, uh, And that's the key. It's thin because we want that crispy because that cheese is going to crisp up and become a parm crust. That's where the parm is supposed to be. So anyway, great, uh, a great new class. I love that. I I screwed up. I missed something. When I was talking about Sweet Pea, I wanted to talk about Grow New York because I told you we finally had our judges' feedback and we got to hear about why we came in second place and not first. And and listen, second place is amazing. We won $500,000. I mean, it's surreal, and there's not a lot bad I can say about that. So remember, the dynamic on this meeting was very weird because it was like, what do you got to complain about here? But that being said, you know, I'm competitive. I wanted first place, and so this was my opportunity to find out what was it that separated that first place team out and and landed them higher than us to win the million dollars. And so what we learned was, very specifically what it was, was the idea that when you win a Grow New York investment, you are uh, it is a true investment, meaning that Cornell University – owns a piece of your business. And so that's a fun fact about my businesses. I now have Cornell University as an investor. They actually own uh, a small percentage of my business. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say exactly how much or not, but that, that's, that's, um, that's public knowledge, right, that they, they, they do that. So I think I'll leave it at that. But it's very, very, very small. But still, they own a very, very small – they technically own a piece of the business. So – they're acting as investors in this case, and of course, investors want to make money. So the thing that we learned was that the company that won, this company ProAgony, which creates a feed for cows that uh, helps them to, to help reduce essentially the methane that they put off. Okay, so it, it squelches cow farts. Okay, there it is. I've said it. Um, anyway, they saw their likelihood for an exit – to be higher than our likelihood for an exit, meaning will this company be able to sell one day for a lot of money? And they thought that they had a slight edge over us for that. And while we still were good, again, remember, came in second place. It's not like we didn't win this thing. There's 20, well, actually, there's 390 companies, and we placed second. So they still think our likelihood for an exit is very good. They just gave them a slight edge as far as a highly... Uh, a slightly higher likelihood for an exit. And so that was the the general feedback. Why second place? Why not first? And so I'd been waiting for that answer for quite a while, quite a while. While we're talking about money, can I just bitch and complain for two seconds? Took my Chevy Tahoe in for an oil and filter change, and the guy called me to say it needs new tires. And frankly, I didn't even argue with him for a second. I knew it. I knew it. I mean, you know, I felt it. As soon as we got a little bit of ice, I could feel that I was sliding a little more than I should in that thing. I mean, that thing's supposed to be a tank, you know, all-wheel drive, really supposed to be something special on snowy and icy roads, and it wasn't feeling like it so far this year. Uh, And also, uh, I had had a flat at one point that got patched instead of needing new tires, so I was very, you know, I got very lucky there. And, uh, And frankly, I've had the car since 2020. So we're at, you know, three years, almost three years without new tires, which I don't know what, how long you're supposed to go, but you know, that it feels like in, on past cars, I've gotten new tires every few years. So it does feel like probably it was time, but man, they're 22 inch tires, bro. These are not your average tires. So I'm kind of taking a deep breath and 
gulping and uh, very much so worrying about how this is going to work out. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of uh, awkward and terrible things where Polly gets to be in pain, I uh, interviewed a, uh, somebody for a job this week. And um, for whatever reason, we decided not to hire this particular person. Won't get into the details, but, you know, not a bad person, not a bad candidate. Just decided wasn't, you know, wasn't a good fit and decided to move on. And, and, uh, and no big deal. You know, happens. Happens every day so in, the, in the workplace. Not for us every day. I'm saying happens every day somewhere in the workplace. You know, people interview for jobs. They get them. They don't get them. It is what it is. Nothing agreed just happened. It was, it, you know, this particular person was a good person, just not a good fit. So. We move on with our lives, right? Except <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> I had to go to the Apple store at Eastview Mall because I cracked my screen, which is a whole different story. And when you walk into the Apple store, they greet you and then they send you to sit somewhere until an Apple genius or whatever they call them comes over to help you. And don't I get sat right next to the individual that I just interviewed and passed up on for a job you want to talk about awkward i mean i just just talked to this person on thursday letting them know we were going to go in a different direction and now i am forced into a social situation where i have to be (laughs) just a punishment or you could call it a sign maybe that's a sign from god that i should have hired this kid Boy, I didn't think of it that way. Could that have been a sign? Is that the universe thrusting him back into my orbit and saying, hey, reconsider this kid? Huh. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I know. I hadn't thought of it that way. Anyway, I want to. I have an idea. Speaking of spending money, the Apple, when I was at Apple, I had a cracked screen and they replaced it. Now, I had a cracked screen just about a month and a half ago. And I went in and because I have Apple Care, I was able to get a brand new phone for about $100. Now it's a new year now. It's and my phone has now been downgraded one even further. So uh, I got another cracked screen, and I'm still under Apple Care. So I said, "Well, I'm going to go in and just get a, another new phone." This time, however, I'm going to get a case and a screen protector because, yes, you heard that correctly. For the last six weeks, I have been walking around with a phone that had no case and no screen protector because I had this Apple Care, and it, it occurred to me, "Look, I can just get a new phone anytime I want for a hundred bucks." What didn't occur to me was just how often I would crack my phone. I thought we were talking about, hey, look, I'll probably be another year before I need another phone at least. By that time, maybe I'm ready for the new phone, period. So let me just, let's just, you know, that's it. Let's just do it where I get, um, uh, uh, let's just, this time around, I got the case and I got the screen protector because I'm done going to the damn Apple store. And I don't want to pretend like 100 bucks isn't a lot of money. So, like, we're done. I said, give me the screen protector. Give me the phone. Total, total uh, for the, a brand-new phone was $60. Why? Because of Apple Care. It was supposed to be $600. So I start talking to the kid from Apple, and we're, he, he starts telling me about how great Apple care is because of the fact that you know i've cracked my screen and here i am getting a brand new phone for only 60 dollars. and at first i'm agreeing with him i'm going yeah no yeah yeah absolutely i mean geez you're telling me that would have been 600 yeah i'm thinking about last time i cracked a screen it was 100 bucks uh, to get a brand new phone if it's just a screen that they're fixing i think it's only 20 or 30 bucks you know to get a brand new screen to get your screen fixed i mean really you know it, it seems great and then it started to occur to me no, it's not. 
No, it's not. Apple Care is not great. Apple Care is not. Let me explain what Apple Care is. Apple is just insanely overpriced, especially the repairs. Right, six hundred dollars for a new phone. If I if I cracked the screen on my last one, you know, forty dollars to get my screen replaced. Things like that. The it, two, I think it's two hundred dollars if you don't have Apple Care just to get your screen replaced. Apple Care is not fantastic. You know what Apple Care is? You pay Apple eleven bucks a month, and in exchange, they make their prices reasonable. Nothing is free with Apple Care. It's not that great of a deal. All they're doing is agreeing to charge you actual reasonable prices in exchange for your $11 a month. So I don't believe Apple Care is awesome. I'm going to keep doing it because otherwise it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's not amazing. You don't pay this insurance and get shipped for free. You pay this insurance and you just get a fair deal on things because you pay this insurance. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I was uh, I was on Twitter and I saw Thad Brown post something funny. He posted something about he was in a fast food restaurant draft with his um, with his daughter, and they had come up with you know their draft rankings, and he had something funny that was getting him a lot of attention, and that was the fact that he had drafted Burger King as his number one pick. He had number one overall, and he chose Burger King, and of course, she chose McDonald's, and everyone's razzing him, saying, oh my god, that's the worst first pick ever, and I have to agree, I have literally never heard of anybody that prefers Burger King over McDonald's, or Wendy's for that matter. Uh, but you know, he defended it. It is what it is. It's funny. And then after that, he rallied. I think he might've had, you know, Taco Bell and Wendy's and Chick-fil-A is his two, three and four. And she had some hippy dippy shit like, you know, Shake Shack and stuff like that, which is good. Don't get me wrong. I've had Shake Shack. They put one in on the, uh, throughway and I had, it was a fantastic burger, but I looked up the list of most popular fast food restaurants. And as you can imagine, McDonald's is number one, number two considered i don't know if i consider them in fast food but they're on the official list is starbucks three is subway four taco bell five chick-fil-a six wendy's seven burger king eight dunkin donuts nine Domino's, and 10 panera bread my personal top five mcdonald's wendy's i know that can be a little controversial because they're essentially the same thing, but obviously they taste differently, but I'm saying they're both the same type of food. But I go McDonald's, Wendy's, Chipotle, Taco Bell, Starbucks. What do you think? I know. Do you want to know who almost got in there for me and I couldn't count? I had two. I had two very, very close. Well, no, I'm going to say I had three. I had three very, very close to making the cut. Arby's, because I want to switch it up a little, have myself some roast beef, right? KFC, who don't love fried chicken. And Dairy Queen. Grew up with it. Love me some Dairy Queen. Um, last topic. Idaho 4. Brian Koberger. This is fascinating. It's, you know, let's first of all, let's get the immediate stuff out of the way. This is a terrible, senseless, tragic slaying of innocent kids with a ton of life in front of them. The reality of what these these poor kids went through that night, and of course their parents will go through for the rest of their lives, 
is horrifying. The true crime, wannabe true crime analyst in all of us finds the entire thing fascinating because this appears to be, what we don't have yet is a motive. So basically it's a guy from a neighboring school who is the suspect. And the reason he's a suspect is because there's a ton of evidence against him, essentially showing him driving around by this house. And he has no reason to be over there to be because it's like the next town over. He's got no reason to be over there, but he's driving around this house constantly. Night of the murders, he's driving around it for like an hour and he eventually parks behind it. Then they find his DNA inside of the house. And he's like a criminology doctor, doctorate student or something in the college that happens to be one town over. And so the fact that, you know, they've got his cell phone pinging all over the murder scene and his DNA at the murder scene, it's not looking good for this kid, right? And so you start to look into what might be the motive and... You know, you come up against a couple of things. Either one, he was targeting a specific kid inside of that house, and then things just went haywire. And as things went haywire, he um, ended up having more victims than he originally planned. Or B, what's even creepier is that this kid maybe was sort of a a wannabe Dexter, you know, that he had planned that he was going to go commit this murder because he did some things that will make you believe he had planned this for a very, very long time, including what I already said about driving around that house for a couple of months prior to the murder. So he's like casing the joint, basically. Um, he then the next day after the murders, he goes back. They've got his, his car again going back to the scene and then driving up into the woods, essentially, into the middle of nowhere, which everyone just believes was most likely him ditching things like the murder weapon and the clothes he was wearing that night and all that. Um, You know, the reason I think that it's so fascinating is, of course, motive. You want to hear what somebody was thinking when they do something so horrific. And in a case like this, it's not so clear. And I think this, that Hollywood has kind of, I don't know if glamorized is the right word, but you take something like a Dexter and then you look at somebody like this and, and you see the possibility that this kid literally just planned to murder somebody and see if he could get away with it. It's a possibility. There's also, of course, the possibility that he had somebody in that house that he was specifically targeting, which I think still there's at least a 50% chance that that might come out. But nonetheless, he, um, yeah, he's created this, or I shouldn't say he, this case in general has created a ton of interest here amongst the true crime community, of which I cannot claim to be a part of. I just, you know, I listen to essentially three types of podcasts. I listen to entrepreneur podcasts, I listen to celebrity interviews, and I listen to um, uh, true crime podcasts. And so I've been listening to a, a lot of this, and, and um, you know, there's just too much damn evidence against this guy. This Brian Kohlberger, he also was like actively trying to stop anybody from getting his DNA. <laughs> like he was wearing gloves in public, throwing his garbage away in, you know, not he wasn't putting his own garbage in his own garbage. He was putting his garbage like in the neighbor's garbage and things like that. And um, I hope they fry the son of a bitch. I really do. But most of all, I hope we get some more details out of this thing. I don't know if we'll see a trial anytime soon. I think they're saying it's still a few months away till we see a trial, at which case, at which point we'll start to get some more details. But um, 
really eerie for a couple of reasons. One, motive, and two, what went on inside that house that, that night. Because there was a roommate left alive, and um, yeah, I don't know. It was a college house. It was a party-heavy college house. And so the ruckus created by murders were not enough to fully alarm the other roommates. Isn't that weird? Isn't that kind of weird? That they weren't alarmed. But again, you're talking about a house that's just used to having a lot going on. So the idea that there would be ruckus at 4 o'clock in the morning didn't even like wake up some of these roommates who, who also were passed out drunk too. So yeah, anyway. Okay, well, I don't have a plan for future podcasts uh, next week because obviously I'm going on vacation and that will affect the next two podcasts. I think they're still going to exist. If one doesn't exist, don't kill me over it. It is what it is, but I think I'm still going to try and hammer one out before I leave. And then look, I might even do one on the ship. I think that would be a lot of fun too. So, all right. Thank you for listening and have a great week.